It was King Solomon who compiled the book of wise sayings that we know as Proverbs. One of his favorite teaching techniques was contrast, where he tells us what we should be like by describing a person who acts in the opposite way. For example, he teaches us that we should embrace wisdom by introducing us to a dubious cast of characters, including the simple and the scorner and the fool and others. And then in other places in Proverbs, he even tells us that some creatures in the animal kingdom act with more sense than most human beings. And that's how it is with the industrious ant. He says, go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. The ant has no guide, no overseer, no ruler. And yet, the ant provides her meat in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. And then the punchline. And it's just about a punch. How long will you sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? You see, even the lowly ant could teach the sluggard about being self-motivated, proactive, hardworking, and smart. But the slothful person doesn't even have enough initiative to get out of bed some days. Solomon tells us that they are lazy. They always do the minimums. They leave others to pick up their slack. Their talk never matches their walk. They present an illusion of success to cover up a lifetime of laziness. They love to procrastinate. They seldom finish the things they start, so they make everyone else's job more difficult. If you ever do give them a task to complete, you end up having to babysit it because the sluggard is only ambitious for himself. So it's not a complimentary picture that Solomon paints, to say the least. A sluggard is the personification of laziness in the book of Proverbs. The Hebrew word is atzal, and it's translated sluggard, sometimes slothful, and it simply means slack or indolent, lazy, lethargic, inactive, somebody who's always avoiding any effort or pain. And it also means to lean idly. So fundamentally, in the book of Proverbs, a slothful person is a leaner instead of a lifter. Their entire philosophy is someone else will do it, someone else will volunteer, someone else will give, someone else will get involved. So at home, they're a couch potato. At church, they're a pew potato. And if you think, my goodness, the Old Testament is far too hard on the slothful person. Remember that Jesus told a parable about a slothful servant who was cast into outer darkness simply because he did nothing to invest the money that had been left in his care. Or check out these words from the Apostle Paul to the church in Thessalonica. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Boy, that would mess up some government programs, wouldn't it? 
For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but they are busybodies. Did you know that word's in the Bible? You know some of them, and they're in the Bible. Now them that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work. Don't brag about it. Just go to work and eat their own bread. Provide for yourself. You see, there is one thing that the sluggard, that the slothful person is extremely good at, and that is making excuses. The dictionary tells us that excuses can be used to evade an assignment, to escape a consequence, to explain an absence, to elude a responsibility, or just to avoid any kind of work in general. Evangelist Billy Sunday, who preached revivals in some of America's largest cities more than a century ago, before sound systems, by the way, he used to say, an excuse is a skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. In other words, the excuses of a sluggard don't even have to reflect reality. They're just excuses. And that brings me to my twin text for you this morning. Proverbs 22 and 13, Proverbs 26 and 13. The slothful man saith, there is a lion without, I shall be slain in the streets. And in chapter 26, the slothful man saith, there's a lion in the way, a lion is in the streets. A lion is in the streets. It's very dangerous out there. I'm so scared. If I go out, I could die. The risk is too great. So I better just stay home. There's no doubt that the lion is a fearful animal. He's called the king of the jungle for good reason. He can grow up to eight feet long and four feet high and weigh up to 600 pounds. The lion has a vertical jump of 12 feet and can run more than 40 miles an hour for short distances. His body is so strong that he can break the back of his prey with just one swipe of his paw. His roar is so loud that it can be heard six miles away. The Bible even states also in the book of Proverbs that the lion is so bold and brave, he turns away from no other creature. So you would definitely not want a lion in your street. But you would expect this proverb to say, the coward says there's a lion outside. I shall be slain in the streets. But it doesn't say coward. It says sluggard. The controlling emotion here is not fear, it is laziness. The sluggard is just being creative with his excuses. No reasonable person would approve of him staying at home just because he's lazy, but they might sympathize with him and approve him staying home if there's real danger outside. So to hide his laziness and justify himself, he deflects attention away from the truth by creating an illusion that others will accept. 
You see, the lion in Proverbs is not real. It's only an excuse that exists in the sluggard's imagination in order to justify his procrastination. And so Solomon's writing begs the question, where are the lions in your life? What are the excuses that have held you back in serving God to the fullest? Because we are certainly living in the era of excuses. Now, I believe there's certainly danger in our streets, but it's not from lions, it's from laziness. That's what I believe. Told you I'd probably offend some of you today. I don't believe that the COVID-19 pandemic has caused backsliding among Christians. But I do believe that it has revealed backsliding among Christians. Their spiritual lethargy was already there long before the pandemic began, but now they have an excuse for casual Christianity. Paul Batura posted this article just a month ago for Focus on the Family in the USA. And it's, it's entitled, um, Stop Using COVID as an Excuse to Not Go to Church. So I'm going to read from Paul Batura for a few moments if you'd indulge me. It's been almost 22 months since the onset of the COVID-19 global pandemic, a catastrophic turn that upended life as we knew it. Almost overnight, offices emptied out, businesses shut down, and schools and churches were forced to go online, if at all. Two weeks to flatten the curve turned to months, and then a year as health and political officials worked furiously to get a handle on the evolving crisis, especially when there were more questions than answers. Over time, response to the pandemic turned political as leaders attacked the virus in disparate ways, simultaneously incurring both wrath and praise from critics and local residents. Depending on the month, one approach seemed more effective than the other. As we approach the two-year mark of a virus blamed for well over five million deaths worldwide, the vast majority of our citizens are learning to live with the threat of the evolving illness. Travel has rebounded, sports stadiums are beginning to fill up, restaurants are busy again, and the vast majority of schools are open for in-person learning. At the same time, one key and vital area that seems to be lacking in the rebound is church. According to the Barna Group, attendance is still down between 30 and 50% prior to the beginning of the pandemic in March of 2020. It might very well be reasonable for vulnerable people to avoid gathering in large groups in times of a highly contagious virus. But what about all those who readily go to restaurants but are still reluctant to go to church? The accessibility and convenience of online worship is something of a seductive option for many and an inexcusable habit for most. It's one thing to partake of online worship while traveling or when genuinely sick. 
It's a whole other thing to sleep in and catch the replay later Sunday afternoon. I have to admit, we haven't been back, someone recently told me. We've just gotten into the habit of watching from our couch. Scripture makes it clear. We're not to neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That's Hebrews 10.25. Of course, it's possible to worship virtually, but it's not the same as gathering together as one body. Pastors and church leaders are walking a tenuous line, trying to encourage members to return to their buildings, but also not come across as harsh or judgmental while doing so. Nevertheless, empty pews and dwindling attendance are demoralizing and detrimental to the long-term health of congregations. Still reading. Take a breath. It's not me. It's him. Christians must prayerfully consider the issue for themselves, but this much is certain. If you're going to school, work, sporting events, malls, and restaurants, but not church, and claiming you're doing so to protect yourself against the virus, you might want to prayerfully reconsider your priorities. People of goodwill have robustly debated the way forward in these uneven and uncertain times. By now, there's a good chance you've developed your own strategies and opinions. But regardless of where you've landed regarding the use of masks, vaccines, and other therapeutics, Christians should be of one mind on this one key truth. The local church is one of God's many gifts to us and a significant and powerful one at that. As believers, we must support, revere, and champion it and do so by gathering together to worship whenever possible. That's because we need communal worship like we need air to breathe and water to drink. And for one reason more, Christians like snowflakes are frail, said the late pastor Vance Havner, but when they stick together, they can stop traffic. Amen. Done reading. If you're offended at that part, it's not my problem. If you're offended at this next problem, I'll take it. Your church needs you. All of you people in this building that dug out of deep snow this morning and got here, I know it's a disastrous storm. There's a, a, a million people uh, out of power in the northeast of the United States. There was one place got 30 inches of snow. Uh, there, there, there's all kinds of major stuff happening. 80 mile an hour winds in some places. And, and here you are. So I'm so thankful to you. And, and I understand if, if you couldn't get dug out uh, this morning because you were up late watching a movie and you didn't get up. Uh... Your church needs you. Yes, we've been... We've been cooperative with masking and mandates, distancing and directives, rules and restrictions. And yes, before you get all up in your business, we're sympathetic to sick people and seniors and shut-ins. We're not expecting them to dig out and get here this morning. 
Yes, we understand bad weather. We live in New Brunswick, for heaven's sake. So we understand bad weather and personal emergencies and family obligations. And before you go there, yes, we know that church is not a building. Yes, we've heard that. Yes, we know you can pray at home. Heard that too. We know you can worship anywhere. Yep, bought the t-shirt. Yes, we know you can get a word through the webcast. But here's something else we know. There's a connection between lockdowns and laziness. Don't get me wrong. I'm beyond grateful for our webcast because even a relatively small church like CCC in a small city of 60,000 in a province of under 800,000 can minister to multiplied thousands of people literally around the world. More than 12 million people have watched archived sermons from this sanctuary on our YouTube channel in the last 12 years. Nearly 84,000 people subscribe to that channel, and that doesn't even count those who watch our services live on YouTube or Facebook. But I may offend a few of them right now, Because every one of those viewers, every person watching me right now, you need a church where you can be faithful and accountable to a local body of believers. So we love that you watch our webcast. All of our pastors, we're honored by that. But you need a church in your city. You need a church in your town. You need a pastor who knows your name and can help you and pray for you and keep you accountable to follow Jesus. This is not enough. And Paul said it, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Now the people online, they can turn me off right now. Go for it. But you have to make a scene and walk out. So (laughs) am I therefore become your enemy, Paul said, just because I tell you the truth? It's true that you need the accountability of a local church. Well, you're just the pastor. No, I'm not. He is. So just let me talk. You need the accountability of a local church. You need a place where people who know your name can get a hold of God in prayer for you. You need Christians that are living the same lifestyle, going the same direction, living the commandments of God. You need that. Sluggards don't like to be shaken out of their slothfulness. And sleeping saints don't like to be awakened out of their slumber. But it would be pastoral malpractice not to warn you that the new normal of getting most of your church online is not normal. It is subnormal. It is abnormal. My concerns as a pastor have not changed in the least over the last two years. I'm still disturbed by the pandemic paranoia that has taken hold of so many Pentecostal people, making them fearful to obey God's word and gather with other believers. I'm still troubled by so-called apostolics who have found the couch all too comfortable and the webcast all too convenient, so we have not seen them for months. I'm still distressed over precious new believers, not yet grounded in their faith, who have slipped back 
into the world because online church just wasn't enough for them. And I will say this again. I said this before, months ago. I'm absolutely grieved by saints who become satisfied with a tidy little service that is movement restricted and volume throttled and time compressed and singing suppressed and sermon shortened and worship inhibited and prayer impeded and altar obstructed and seat tethered. I am grieved about that. I am not counseling rebellion. We haven't asked you once to go mount some big offensive or go attend a protest. We haven't done that. You've watched this pastor and all of our pastors lead this church. So we haven't done that. We're not counseling that. We're not asking that. But when we get a chance to be together like this this morning, I'm so thankful that you got in this room and you just pushed. I'm so grateful that you got in this room and you refused to just have a quaint, quiet little gathering and go home to shovel some more snow. I'm so thankful for the church of the living God. I am not a conspiracy theorist. Some of you are. God bless you. Stop sending me stuff on Facebook. (laughs) I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I am a Bible reader. I emphatically believe that we have entered into the last days of the church age. It is entirely probable that many of the people in this room and watching this webcast will live to see the rapture of the church and the return of Jesus Christ. Now that's wonderful, but here's what's not wonderful. It is a treacherous thing to live in the end of the end times when the awareness is so low and the stakes are so high. This is the era of excuses. This is the era of casual, uncommitted Christianity. It also happens to be the era of astonishing signs of the times that would have kept our elders up all night long and pushed them into prayer meeting for a week and into evangelistic services every night for a month. But we see the same signs that they preach to us about and nobody even notices them anymore. Now you may have put your spiritual life and your church attendance on hold for a few months. But the devil has not put his agenda on hold for one moment. What if Jesus comes back while we're all waiting for COVID-19 to be over? I say it's probably high time that we need to get busy about the kingdom of God and about living for God like never ever before. Paul said it. You can take his word for it. And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake and asleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. I was 12 years old when I was born again of the water and the spirit. That's nearly 50 years ago. Let me tell you, Jesus is coming and his coming is so much closer than when I first believed. 
Oh, but Pastor Raymond, there's a lion in the streets. There's a pandemic happening, don't you know? It's very dangerous out there. I'm so scared. If I go out, I could die. The risk of attending church is too great. So I'd better just stay home. That lion is not real. It is an excuse that exists in your imagination in order to justify your procrastination. You need to get back to God now. You need to get back to church wherever that is for you right now. Yeah, there's danger in our streets, but it's not from lions. It's from spiritual laziness. That's the danger in our streets in 2022. Our forefathers in the faith, they endured opposition and persecution, and still they gathered together. Some of our friends overseas, you know their names. They live under the constant threat of incarceration. And still they gather together. The church in the book of Acts live with the very real possibility of extinction in the first century. And still they gathered together. Are we really the same church? Or are we just some frail, feeble version of Canadian Christianity? Do you really want to stand in judgment beside some of those people and tell the Lord you were too scared to obey His command to assemble together with believers and worship Him? I don't. I don't want to stand in judgment beside some of those great heroes of the faith. But Pastor Raymond, I genuinely am fearful. Then, listen to me, you need deliverance from that fear today. And if you'll reach out to God in this service or watching this service, God can deliver you from fear if your fear is not just a concocted excuse. Romans 8 and 15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You've got a heavenly Father looking out for you. Yeah, I know there's a pandemic going, but there's a heavenly Father up in heaven that's looking out for us. Yeah, I know some Christians have died and gone on to glory. That's a real threat. You get to go to heaven sooner than the rest of us. Boy, that's scary. 1 John There is no fear in love, but perfect love, mature love, casts out fear because fear has torment. And that's what we've seen in the lives of some people who call themselves apostolic. They are tormented by this pandemic paranoia. I'm not saying be careless. I'm just saying be faithful to God and let Him look after you. Not one time In almost two years, has anybody in this church encouraged you to ignore rules, break rules, overlook rules, cheat on the rules? Not one 
time. We have bent ourselves into a Pentecostal pretzel just trying to have church. Imagine, we've got singers shut up in two bathrooms back there singing to themselves so we can have a little harmony because we're only allowed one person on the stage. But you can go to Walmart and reach over somebody that's breathing down your neck trying to get some Cheetos. So come on. It's not that scary in the house of God. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's peace in the house of the Lord. There's love in the house of the Lord. There's power in the house of the Lord. That's why I want to be in the house of the Lord. Now here's where I get off my notes and I'll get in trouble. Shore shooting. But I worship at home. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. I bet you didn't have about 150 people standing around you with their hands lifted, tears rolling down their face, speaking in tongues in your living room. I bet you didn't feel what we felt this morning when the presence of, oh yeah, I felt. No, you didn't. You were too busy eating your cereal. And I know you didn't run because you've got your slippers on and you would trip. I'm going back on my notes right now. That was some Pastor Jack anointing getting all over me. You stay over there. Second Timothy. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. (laughs) Even the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not. Obeyed that Bible command lately? Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Got a little pandemic happening? When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Sounds like the safest place for me to be is smack dab in the middle of the will and the work of God. That's what it sounds like to me. We believe in using wisdom, and we believe in being careful, but we categorically refuse to be governed by fear. Caution is certainly well advised during a viral outbreak. You should stay home from Walmart a little more. Maybe stay out of the diplomat on Sunday night while we're having church over here on this side of town. Caution certainly well advised during a viral outbreak, but hysteria is not helpful and hysteria is not biblical. God, in case you didn't get the memo, I know you were shoveling snow. Today, right now, God is still on his throne. The blood of Jesus still saves and heals. The devil is still defeated. And the church is still victorious. 
That's why I'm going to be wherever the church is because I need to be victorious and the church is victorious. Music, uh, Kathy, come back. Play something soft and soothing. Yeah, you're right. There's a lion in the streets. There is. But the lion's not what or who you think it is. I know there's a lion in the street, but the good thing about this lion is he's not as strong as you are. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He is eating some Christians alive today because they have lost their connection with their local church. They attend sporadically, if at all. When they're here, they're distracted. And they've got so many other priorities. And church to them is now one of the options on their smart TV. So they can go from a movie to church back to a movie. From sports to church back to sports. Because it's just a video. The devil is eating them alive. But Peter said... If you'll snap out of it, you're stronger than he is. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. You think we got challenges? Talk to me about Guangzhou, China for a few minutes. I'll tell you who's got challenges. Talk to me about our missionaries, brave and bold, working for God in the Muslim world. I'll tell you who's got challenges with gatherings. You're greater than he is. Stop acting like the devil is so big and so bad that he's going to kill you. If he could kill you, you would have been hit by the snowplow this morning. Last chapter of the last letter that Paul will ever write on this earth. He says to Timothy, when everybody abandoned him, including a bunch of Christians, notwithstanding, Timothy, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. There's a lion in the streets. Yeah, but it's no contest when you're an apostolic believer. I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. We don't know for sure what he was talking about. He may be saying the Roman Empire. That's the lion. He may be saying the emperor... Nero, because that's who ended up killing him. Paul said, he doesn't get to kill me one second before God's ready for me to go. It may be persecution. It may be opposition. But here's what Paul said. I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. I think, it's just an educated guess, maybe an uneducated guess. It's me. I think he's talking about Satan. Because Satan was behind Caesar Nero and the Roman Empire and all the opposition and persecution. He said in the middle of death row, look at my own death in the face. I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Oh yeah, and there is another lion 
on the streets. Yeah, there is. You got a whole zoo out there. There's another lion in the streets. His name is Jesus. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. The lion is large and in charge. Our lion is greater than their lion. Jesus whooped the devil on the first day when he kicked him out of heaven and there's never been a contest since then. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If Jesus had been slothful, we wouldn't have been saved. If Jesus had been lazy, we would have been lost. But because the Lion of Judah prevailed, I will prevail. The church will prevail. I will not make excuses and no devil. I will not fear. I refuse. Last scripture. The wicked flee when no man pursueth. Boy, is that happening in our world today. Everybody running every which way. Everybody's got all kinds of different opinions. People are scared to death. People are mad. People are angry. But the righteous are bold as a lion. Oh, there's another lion in the streets. I hope it's you. I hope you're not cowering in fear on your couch. told you I was going to preach to the choir. You're all here. I hope you're not cowering in fear about what's going on in our world today. The Bible told us, Jesus said that one of the signs of the end times will be pestilence, disease. We never thought we'd see a worldwide disease like this. But we're in the end times. It's no time for wimps. It's time for soldiers of the cross. Jesus prophesied this. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Somebody out there needs your calm confidence in God. Somebody out there needs your triumphant testimony. Somebody out there needs to hear your miracle story of salvation. And they're not going to hear it if we're all hiding at home watching church online. Many of you that are watching today, you have a very legitimate reason to be watching online. You can be mad at me if you want. But I told you the truth today. For far too many people, Online is just about all they're getting for church these days. And in the last of the last days, that's dangerous. And in the end of the end times, that's frightening to me. You need the church. (laughs) If you're still offended at Pastor... Let me tell you that I was contacted by one of our Canadian preachers today. He's preaching today, let my people go. 
So it wasn't as bad as that. I'm teasing. It'll be a great message. He's preaching it now, actually. One of our American preachers called me just before church this morning. Kind of stirred me up. It was a couple of minutes late coming in. He said, the Bible says, the night cometh when no man can work. He's preaching it this morning in his church. The night cometh when no man can work. He said to me, Raymond, doesn't say the night's coming when nobody can be saved. It says the night cometh when no man can work. The night's going to hit us before it hits everything else. The persecution is going to get greater against the people of God. It could very well be that somebody gets it in their head and YouTube erases our channel. What are you going to do then if you have no connection to a local body of believers? It could be that some guest or some pastor, some preacher says something in this pulpit and the government of this nation clamps down on them and calls it some kind of bogus term like conversion therapy. We don't know what's going to happen. But here's what we know. Prophecy tells us the night is coming when we may not be able to work like we can. Right now, I can preach this morning and somebody in China or Singapore or somewhere in Africa, somewhere in Europe, it happens every week. They can watch us. What happens if some secular governments get together and pull the plug on that? You best have a relationship with a local church where you serve God because we're in the last of the last days. If you're ever going to live for God, you better do it now. If you're ever going to get involved in your church, you better do it now. If you're ever going to teach a Bible study, win a soul, pray a prayer, you best do it now because the night is coming when no man can work. But Pastor Raymond, there's a lion in the streets. The lion isn't as real as the lion of the tribe of Judah. The lion isn't as strong as the lion of the tribe of Judah. The lion doesn't get the final say over my life. It's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now I know I've preached to you because I needed to preach to them. But I'm preaching to you too. Would you lift up your hands right now and your voice. Especially your voice. Specifically your voice. Powerfully, your voice. Triumphantly, your voice. See, this doesn't happen in living rooms watching a TV screen. This, 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 this. This is why we're here this morning. I want you to pray out loud. I want you to pray lifting up your voice. I want you to pray right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. We're not petrified. We're Pentecostal. We're not afraid. We're apostolic. Yeah, it's the last times, but Jesus told us, when you see these things begin to come to pass, then look up, lift up your heads, because your redemption draweth nigh. This thing is just about over, but until he gets here, we are going to serve the Lord together. We are going to work for God together.
Oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my. If you are really watching at home and if you are really praying, I want you to lift up your hands and I want you to pray in the Spirit in your living room. It's high time. It's about time. It's past time to get real and get right with God. If you were ever going to do something for God, now is the time. Now is the time. Now is the time. We want to honor everybody and all of your convictions and all of your opinions and all of the restrictions. But we got lots of room to spread out here in the aisles and across the altar. You're going to be just as distanced up here as you are in your seat. So if you'd like to come to the altar, you can come right now. And when you get here, don't bury your head. Lift up your hands. Lift up your voice and pray. And if you're not coming here, that's fine. But lift up your hands where you are we don't dishonor you for that we honor your preference and we honor that but lift up your hands wherever you are and pray it's time to get real it's time to get right it's time to get revived it's time for Pentecostal fire to fall on the altar of the last generation of apostolics Oh, I thank God. We got seniors in this building. I don't even know how they all got dug out this morning, but they're here and they're praying with us. They're pushing with us. And I'm so grateful for that. There is a special anointing for the last day's church. There is a special dimension of power for the last day's church. It's not just for preachers. It's not just for denominational officials. It's not just for the great evangelists. It's for you. There's a dimension of God's power He wants to put on you so you can be a witness wherever you are. Just like you were going down the road and you pushed the gas in your car to speed up. I want you to push the gas on your prayer right now. Just lift it up, lift it up, lift it up, lift it up. Oh, I love this. This is what I came for. This is what I need. This is where the power is. There's a reason the Bible tells us to assemble together. It's this. Mandolo petarete le torosha, shurete reto lo torabaha, mandata reto reto la derebotsa, reto la della torcoyasa. Yes, 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 yes. Shorebo loto koshesa, ito roba babiasio sabaha.
Yes, 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 yes. Would you just one more time lift up your hands, lift up your voice, lift up your prayer in the sanctuary today. Beautiful, powerful. There's a witness of the Holy Ghost in this room right now. Let Allah Baba Shusabaha. Utura Baba Shusabaha. Okay. 